You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisentraff on WCPT 820. Okay, welcome back. A little after 3 p.m. here in the upper Midwest. Uh, Wonder Woman, I'm sorry, uh, Jill Winebanks is back. She is, of course, a widely respected legal voice on federal corruption, going all the way back to her time working the Watergate case. She and uh, two of her friends, Joyce Vance, Barbara Quaid, host Sisters-in-Law. It's a fabulous podcast on the thicket surrounding the last president. And she and Victor Xi translate all of this for audiences younger than me um, on iGen Politics. Jill, welcome back. Thank you so much, Edwin. But you forgot to mention uh, Kimberly Atkins Store, who's the fourth of the sisters in law. Of course. And Kimberly. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. My bad. Uh, my bad. It's, it's, <clears throat> she'll forgive you. I know. She's a very generous person. <laughs> okay. So, Jill, there's so many cases, and they all had news this week. I don't, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess I want to talk about all of them, but I also want to get your sense, sort of big picture on. The, the the legal noose, uh, maybe that's the wrong image, the, the legal world that seems to be getting smaller and smaller around not just tighter Donald Trump, tighter. But tighter and tighter around not just him, but the, the, the whole crowd that really um, was part of an insurrection to overturn our government. I would say that the, the, the justice system is working properly, but the country is not working properly. And I think, for example, there are some problems. One is Georgia has a rule that allows and almost demands the publication of this report of who they investigated. And I personally think that is unfair and horrible. You know, it's sort of like watching a car crash. I, I, you can't take your eyes off it. It's intriguing. You want to know more about, oh, you mean Lindsey Graham didn't get indicted, but they recommended that he be indicted? Yeah, it's interesting, but it's really not fair to him. There are probably reasons that Bonnie Willis did not indict the three senators and Mike Flynn and all the others. You know, we're talking about a huge number of people who didn't get indicted but who the grand jury thought were guilty. But the grand juries only base it on a much lower standard of proof than she would have to prove in a trial. In a trial, she has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, not probable cause. Probable cause is, well, it's more likely than not. Beyond a reasonable doubt is way, way tougher standard. So it's just not fair to have these people And these are not people I support. These are not people I admire. I just don't think it's fair. But uh, all the other things. I want to pause there just for one second. Again, for those of you who are listening, Jill, just listening to Jill tells you all the difference in the world between, um, frankly, the two parties right now. Here you have somebody saying, let's. Let the rule of law work its way through. Let's be fair to people all the way through it, right? And Jill's standing up and saying, what, what, what just happened wasn't fair to, for gosh sake, Lindsey Graham and a couple others with whom 
I know, Jill, you have never agreed with about never. maybe 99% <laughs> of the things they've ever said, right? 100%. You, 100%. Right. And, the, and, and the other guys are like, trial, just lock them up, right? When right. we're in charge, or we're going to throw them in let's jail. Impeach, just, let's no. impeach the president. Why? Well, we don't have a reason just because we want to. And They're doing it in Wisconsin with right. a judge. Exactly. I mean, these are yeah. all... Things. Or look what they did to Justin Jones, who was silenced twice, was expelled from the uh, Kentucky House, Tennessee, reelected. I'm, I'm sorry, Tennessee. I keep I, I don't know why I keep doing that. But yes, you're right. It is Tennessee. Yep. He has to go through a primary. He gets reelected in the general and they shut him up again. They did it again. How can they get away with this? It's it's obscene. And all he's doing is standing up for sensible gun control. This is not how democracy works. This is how democracy dies. And you're right. I I mean, I, I, I don't want to get off completely track talking about just this one little thing that is the practice in Georgia. It's how it works. There was nothing improper about it under Georgia rules. I just think right. the Georgia audit changed its rules because it's sort of like what Comey did to Hillary Clinton. And it's just not fair. It's just yeah. not the right thing. And I think we should have the same standards for both parties. And I, this is how I believe in justice, not how I believe in politics. I don't agree with their politics, but I do believe there should be a, an equal application of the rule of law. Yeah. So, so again, the burden on us, on Democrats, on you, is not just the entire burden of governing, since the other party's not interested in governing, but yeah. also the entire burden of upholding the rule of law and trying to make it fair, even when it's the other guys. And it is and, an amazing. And of not fighting thing. back dirty because they fight dirty. I mean, you know, it's very tempting to say, well, they do it. We should do the same. But we shouldn't. We need to keep no, our our values, and it's 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 hard to do. And there was, I mean, the judge um, who just said no, you can't remove the case to federal court. Did such a careful job of analyzing the facts and the law, and reached what is clearly the right decision. But yep. they're going to delay by going back to an appellate court and then to the Supreme Court because that's what they do, and. I think it's also kind of ironic, and no one has really raised this point, of their, you know, one of the arguments for applying the 14th Amendment, which I believe is correct, um, but one of the arguments against it came from Michael Mukasey, who was the attorney general uh, in a Republican administration, who said, well, he's not even he, the president, is not an officer under the 14th Amendment, that he takes a different oath than other officers. So he doesn't, it doesn't cover him, which I believe to be incorrect. But it's very ironic that they're arguing the 14th doesn't apply because he's not an officer, but the removal statute applies because he is an officer. So, sorry, you can't have it both ways. You're either an officer or you're not. Yeah, and he clearly is. So Yeah, I, yeah. No. I would say that that's... Also true. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, so, so um, there's so many cases. Let's just dispense with the easy ones quick. Like something happened in the E. Jean Carroll case this week. Yes, that was very important. Um, it, basically, the judge said, you know what? You don't have to prove 
that you were defamed again because the facts and the parties are the same in the second trial. He didn't learn his lesson in trial one, and right after it ended and he was ordered to pay $5 million in damages, he repeated the same defamatory comments. So all that's at issue now is how much he owes you for those statements that defamed you and hurt you. And so the trial is going to be very short. It's going to be, what is it going to take for any damages to stop him from continuing this behavior? $5 million didn't work. So is it going to be 10? Is it going to be 20? How much is it going to have to take before he actually feels like, oh, I better watch myself. Maybe I shouldn't do this again. How much do you think it'll be? Uh, I don't know. Is it not possible? Yeah, as long as it's in front of a microphone, it's not possible. <laughs> I mean, it's not a money issue. It's a, I don't know what it is. It's especially not a money issue because he's raising money from people who have a lot less than he does, although I think he has a lot less than he says he does, but he still mm-hmm. has more than most people. And yet he's getting the money from them to pay his legal bills, including these penalties. These are punitive penalties intended to stop his bad behavior that a jury of his peers said he did. He was held liable. So I don't know what will stop him. And I worry because of the threats that he is putting forth um, against prosecutors, against jurors, against witnesses. You know, you have to take that all into account. And what is Judge Chutkin going to do? If he keeps on threatening and intimidating witnesses, yeah. how well, is she going to stop him? Test, Money's not going to matter. Test her for sure. Uh, yep. He already has, I would say. Yeah. 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 Well, he's going to run out of other people's terrible. money to spend at some point, but he is yeah. going to keep testing people. So, so he's one of the people he has defamed is, of course, Fannie Willis. And she is the most yeah. complicated case amongst them. Um, but I watched the, I actually put myself through uh, watching the hearing where uh, two of the defendants wanted their own separate trials. And yes. I thought the yeah. judge was was as clear and as in control as I've seen. I mean, I, I thought that was really impressive. I thought he did a brilliant job. I thought the fact that there were cameras that let us see and hear that was amazing and proves, you know, I wrote an op-ed in the Detroit News urging the federal government to change its rules to allow cameras in federal court. And the proof of what I was saying is watching what happened in Georgia, where there are cameras. No one played to the cameras. No one felt uncomfortable because of them. It's not like in the days of the OJ case or Sam Shepard, who was the circus of all circuses because of cameras in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was back even before my time. I go back a long way. Um, But cameras don't disrupt anybody. If cameras actually affected behavior, George Floyd would still be alive. He was being recorded. um, Derek Chauvin was being recorded while he was killing him. And it didn't stop his behavior. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so, so I agree with you wholeheartedly. And of course, uh, the chief justice could do something about that, but I don't expect him It'd to do it. It'd be very about easy. It. Yeah. It'd be so easy. 
and there is a chance that Congress can do something. And I'm hoping that maybe they'll take it on. But Congress seems to be, unfortunately, less functional than I have seen it be. Um, you know, during the yeah. days of Watergate, there was bipartisanship and there was an agreed upon set of facts. And we have neither now, neither. No. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not optimistic. Article one problem. I mean, you know, yeah. we complain a lot about the judiciary, but it's holding. It's got some weirdness, like the judge that they shop all the abortion stuff to in Texas. Yes. Um, yes I mean, not yeah. every judge is fabulous, but but the institution is holding. And, and yes. thank goodness it is. Um, so, so what about uh, the Fannie Willis case? She, she, the, the Congress has tried to mess with it. She wrote to Jim Jordan this letter, which I thought was fabulous. It, it was. Um, she, she did not mince words. She said exactly what she meant. And she was right. They have no interest. And I thought her best part was she said, okay, if you want to say that this is about the federal government financing me, let me show you the money I get from the federal government and what it goes for. And she said, if you take the money away, you are going to be taking away my ability to prosecute the following kinds of cases. And it was humiliating to him, I would think, if he had any ability to be humiliated. Right. Because or it laid out all of those things or think any of those things. Um, so I thought she did a really, really good job. He has no basis for interfering in a case that he has no any more than Lindsey Graham had an interest in overseeing the counting of ballots in Georgia. Um, you know, they just do these things and say, well, I'm a senator. I can do this. No, you can't. No, you cannot. What you have we to have learned, a purpose that's related. Yeah. So he's, a, he's she's the, the firewall is going to hold and he's going to do whatever politics he does, but he can't interfere. And, and she's, She's going to be in, I mean, two of them now are going to be in court on this case fairly quickly. Yes. Which is an advantage to Donald Trump. Maybe. And not if they're convicted, it's not. Well, no, but he gets to preview the evidence. He can see the strengths and the weaknesses. He can develop a defense based on that that he wouldn't have if he was living at Uh, the I see. Right. So, so there's a trial a, run of his trial before he has exactly, to stand trial. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, it, um, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's not a devastating thing to his case, but it is a slight advantage. And yep. it it's horrible. Think about the witnesses who are going to have to testify and relive horrible things multiple times, who will no doubt confuse one thing in their testimony and then be pilloried and cross-examined on that one little thing because they've told the story to investigators, to the grand jury, to jury number one, jury number two. We don't know how many trials there are going to be. I doubt that there will be two in one trial and 17 in the other. First of all, I think some of the 17 are going to plead guilty and cooperate. Um, especially if there's a conviction, but even if there isn't, I think they will. Uh, so I don't think there'll be 17 defendants, but I also don't think there will be 17 in one trial. Um, 
But that means the jurors have the witnesses rather have to testify at least three times, let's say, um, and be cross-examined. In even if it was in one trial, they're going to be cross-examined by nineteen lawyers. Every defendant has a right to cross-examine, so yeah. they'll present their testimony and then be cross-examined. At some point, the judge is going to say, "Asked and answered." By 22 other lawyers before you, so stop it. Um, but it's going to be very hard on them. And for people like Shay Moss and Ruby Freeman, who have to relive the trauma of the president attacking them and changing their lives completely for their doing nothing. And let's not forget that Rudy Giuliani, I think it's now two weeks ago, um, was ruled that A, he did defame. And injure them. And again, their trial is only for damages. How much does he owe them? And there's no defense. He was not allowed to put out any defense because, and he didn't. Um, so it, it's, you know, when are the, the MAGA crowd going to realize that that's an admission that he lied and he did it maliciously to hurt them? He did it knowing that the facts were different. When are they going to admit that these are lies on both sides, that the fraud is a lie, that there is oh, no I think, fraud? Jill, you, you, the, today, I hope it changes, but today I would say the MAGA crowd thinks that lying and cheating to defame black women is a thing they like. Now, maybe maybe the good, goodness will bubble up at some point and overwhelm that instinct, but all the evidence we see is cruelty and cruelty to people of color, cruelty, is, is a feature for them, not a flaw. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. I'm going to have yeah. to agree with that. Yes. Sorry about it. Yes. Um, I, I hope everybody understand, because um, people watch the news, and the news, and we're talking about it, and the news, we cover these trials, we cover, you know, breathlessly every filing, every everything that happens in court. Um as if somehow that's going to matter, you know, early in the next election. But the justice system is purposely built slow, right? And, and with lots of checks and balances. And I, I just think people watching all of this who are used to watching politics, then they watch the justice system and they don't understand why it takes so long. Right. And they don't well, understand and they think it's going to rescue them before they do their own citizen work in the next election. You know, I, I, I remember a time, and Watergate is an example, when justice was not so delayed. We mm -hmm. indicted, okay, let's just go back and take the whole picture. The crime was committed in June of 72. Yes. The burglars were caught red-handed. They were tried in January, six months later, found guilty, and then it became clear that it was not an ordinary burglary, that it was a political act. We were appointed in May of 73. We indicted in March of 74. Nixon resigned in August of 74 based on our evidence. We went to trial against the remaining people in September. They were convicted on January 1st of 75. We could have made it, to the, you know, December 31st, and it would have been the same year. But basically what I'm saying, we went to the Supreme Court in that same time period. We obtained, you know, the 
tape recordings that the Supreme Court said, yes, you have a right to them. And that all happened from May of 73 to January 1st of 75. That's a year and a half. Why does it need to take that much longer? It's going to take four months just to pick a jury. We picked a jury, I don't remember how many days, but it wasn't months. It wasn't weeks even. So I I think there's nothing so different today that it needs to take as long as we're saying. Now, if, if Fannie Will says she's going to, has 150 witnesses, well, 150 witnesses takes a lot of time. The grand jury heard 75. So that's half the number. Um, I don't know if she'll actually end up calling all 150, but when she says four months, yeah, if you have 150 witnesses, it's going to take that long. And I think jury selection is going to take long. Although, as you point out, the you know, maybe the judge will control it and maybe it won't take so long. Um, but I don't think we should get used to thinking that justice has to take forever and that everything has to be appealed and everything has to go up to a higher court. Everything has to go to the Supreme Court. No, it doesn't. And the Supreme Court, we, we brought our case in April to the Supreme Court and they ruled in July. We briefed it. We argued it. I'm sorry. We had the subpoena in April. We went to the court and had almost immediate access to the court, filed our briefs and had an opinion and had compliance with the subpoena from the White House. That is so, amazing. It's just, uh, yes, it I just mean, it's, feels we have different. to think yeah. about that. Yeah. It does. And, and it shouldn't. I don't want to. I mean, Jack Smith has an easier case. Does the Jack Smith's case is easier. It's not as complicated. Well, it's going to involve some of the same witnesses. It's easier because there's only one defendant. And, right. uh, well, in, in the election case, there are more right. than that. Um, and I have to wonder in the Mar-a-Lago case whether uh, his co-defendants are going to end up flipping and one doing what's right. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, he, he yes, um, Tavares is cooperating. Um, but... but Nata and, um, um, oh God, what's the other one's name? Nata and, uh, D'Olivera, um, are still holding tight. Um, but I wonder when they see the benefit to Tavares not being a defendant, whether they'll, mm-hmm. they'll flip too. Um, but, all right, so that one has three, and I mean, the, the sub. The um, superseding indictment is brilliant. I mean, I cannot believe how much evidence they have of his attempts to hide the evidence. That is just unbelievably important. It's really good stuff. And um, so it's they're easier because 19 defendants is a big deal. But the, the proof is going to be sort of the same. When you think about it, um, and and that's why it's so hard in the Georgia case because you're going to have to present the same evidence of the entire scope of the conspiracy for each and every one of the defendants, no matter how many trials there are. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so there big... may be some things you could leave out. You know, if it's if it's a charge of perjury um, by one person, maybe you don't have to prove that in the next trial, but. Everything else has to be proved as part of the conspiracy because that's yep. the main charge is RICO. 
Well, so but then go, leaving that one aside, when Jack Smith has charged the president alone with mm-hmm. tampering with the election, that, again, similar, same. It's the same crime, so of course they're the same witnesses. But yes, this one has it's it's a lot less complicated in terms of time. Can that one move forward faster? It. it um you mean the start date or the trial length? All of the above. Um, the start date is going to be a complicated dance with all the multiple trials that he has adjusting to each other, particularly the Georgia case and the election federal case, because those are the same witnesses and they can't be mm-hmm. in both places at the same time. And the defendant right. can't be in both places at the same time. Um, although I suspect he's going to ask for a waiver of his appearance in court. Although I think it's a mistake because juries, you know, take it personally. Oh, we're not important enough for you to even show up and defend yourself. But in any event, the the witnesses can only testify in one place. And, you know, um, I think that you're going to have to have some juggling of when each trial starts and whether I mean, Georgia is going to start October 23rd under the Speedy Trial Act of Georgia. I don't think anybody's going to go faster than that, although October 4th is already set as a trial date in New York. So is that going to actually start and finish before October 23rd? Yeah. I don't know. A mess. I, it, <laughs> it is a mess. It is a mess. But again, Donald Trump won't be a defendant in the October 23rd one. Because he's waived his speedy trial. So right. That's right. It, there won't be an inconsistency as to him, but it's still, if I were his lawyers, I'd want to be sitting in that courtroom. Um, although since it's televised, you can probably record it and then they can watch it in their spare time. Well, and, all of this, though, as painful as it is, as time consuming as it is, it does say to me, we the justice system is going to look at and way and jurors, regular Americans are going to see all of this evidence and get to decide this most important, these most important questions. And they're going to get dozens of chances because there's so many cases. Um, That's all true. This. And one thing that worries me is there was at least one juror on every single charge against Donald Trump who voted not to indict. Now, I don't know if it's the same one person. Mm-hmm. Who was a MAGA person? I don't. I, I don't know. It could be not a MAGA person. It could be a different person on everyone for a different reason on each count. We we don't know that. We just know that yeah. there. And remember, a, a jury has to be unanimous, not a, um, not the grand jury, but a trial jury has to be unanimous. Yep. Yep. So if you get one person who refuses to listen to evidence, you'll have a hung jury. Yeah. Well, I have. You know, I have confidence. I mean, there isn't a better way to do it. I mean, it's not a perfect system, but I don't, there's not really a better one. So let's put the evidence out there and see what people have to say. I agree um, completely. Yeah. I agree. And so, I, I believe in the jury system and I believe they will come to a unanimous decision. And that I do too. based on what we know I, now, it's going to be guilty. Yeah. I mean, the documents case is the easiest and I don't know how anybody yep. could not vote guilty on that. The other ones are complicated, so I suppose there's room for confusion. But if you if you can sort if a story is well told with the evidence that's here, it's all pretty yep. damaging. All right, so I, Jill, I um, 
how do we look forward? I mean, do we do we tell voters, look, we have to do our work in politics. Do not let do not hope the courts will do the job for you. Right. They, they yes. won't. They won't get yes. it done in time. We have to do our. In fact, if Even, we can afford the courts the time, we have to stop them from winning. Edwin, even if the courts convict, it will still be on appeal. Even if there was some miraculous way you could get the appeals done, a convicted felon could be our president. There is nothing in the Constitution that bars him from being the president if he's elected. There is something in the Constitution that prevents someone who engaged in or aided and abetted an insurrection from being president. I believe that is one step that might protect us. Although when I listened to the Republican debate, I didn't see a candidate that I felt like, well, you know, that's a reasonable person. Um, that's someone yeah. who it would be better to have as the candidate than Donald Trump. So I'm a little worried about that, but even still, I think stopping Donald Trump would be a lesson to everyone. I, I think indicting too. Richard Nixon would have been a lesson. Sorry, we missed that opportunity. Um, But I I do think everyone has to get really busy. I've just reached out to the head of the Democrats in Wisconsin to say, how can I help you in this unbelievable impeachment process that is being threatened against um, the new Justice Protosewicz? Jana Protosewicz, yep. Yeah, she has not done anything. She hasn't heard a case. She hasn't done anything. She was duly elected. But again, you know, you have the Kentucky Justin Jones for the, uh, Tennessee. I did it again. Ten, yep. I, I, it's one of those weird things. I've just blocked things. Tennessee. Um, the Tennessee Justin Jones. And I just interviewed him on iGen politics. And I said, I said, Kentucky. So there you go. He's um, terrific, isn't he? I bet that was a good interview. Amazing. Oh my yeah. God. It was brilliant. He's, he is so impressive. We didn't ask him what's next for him. But something big is next to him. Is. He is yeah. smart. He is so articulate in explaining why gun control is important, explaining why democracy is being killed right now yep. because of shutting him. And, of course, you have uh, Gloria, who's now running for the Senate, um, yep. who, who was not expelled, although she was silenced. And, yep. um yeah, and Justin Pearson was also silenced. So yep. Yep. it's um, it's really, you know, people are elected to office to speak and to represent. And if the majority can silence them, then you're silencing all those people who voted for him. And that's not how democracy works. Right. And and it's not even the majority because of the gerrymandering. It's a minority yes. that's imposing. Oh, my God. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jill, you've been very kind and we've run past our time, which we always do because it's so much fun to talk with you. Um, Thank you. And I look look forward to doing it again. Great. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. I hope your listeners are going to all be involved in getting out the vote because that is absolutely the only way to save our democracy. And it's up to us. And at some point, we have to talk about how the press is covering Trump and Biden. And I get angry every day by the disparity in coverage. And 
I mean, yeah, it's awful. Compare, we got one guy yes, with actual I mean, accomplishments who's doing great yes, things. And we have exactly. another guy who wants to undo the democracy. And somehow, although they're the same age, we only talk about one of them. Um, but, yeah, you know, Jill, on that topic. About, and who do you think's in better shape? I'm going to vote for Biden is absolutely. a healthier specimen than the fat Donald Trump. On, on that topic, somebody said to me, um, you know, I worry Joe's great now, but four years from now, I'm, you know, so it's you're electing him for four years. I said, OK, look, leave that just for a second. Was there anybody on that Republican debate stage you think would be a good president five minutes from now? <laughs> that, that is the like, best uh, comeback I have ever heard. I love it. Right? Yeah, no, they were done. <laughs> All That's right, Jill. Great. Love you. We'll thank talk you again so soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, everybody. That was the fabulous Jill Weinbanks. We're going to take a break and you know what's coming. Your calls.